0: Welcome to the M&A CornerCast, a podcast focused on the world of mergers and acquisitions, helping inform the business owners and advisors we work with every day. I'm your host, Chuck Dallas. I have more than 10 years of experience with mergers and acquisitions, both from a corporate perspective and as an outside advisor. On today's podcast, we welcome back Scott Bushke managing partner and founder of Cornerstone Business Services. You might remember him from our first episode where we talked about the current state of the market and how the rest of 2020 looks from an M&A perspective. Today we're talking to Scott about business value, specifically the role that business valuations have in mergers and acquisitions. So Scott, how do business valuations fit into the M&A world?
1: You know, they're a key component uh, to m a because the number one reason why businesses don't sell, and there are a lot of them out there that do not sell, is seller expectations and, and valuation. It, you know, I, I call it the proud parent syndrome that, uh, you know, business owners look at these businesses almost like a, a child of theirs. Right. And, uh, you know, everybody's kid is the, uh, you know, the best looking, the best athlete and the smartest <laughs> kid in school. And they kind of price it accordingly. So, you know, we look at things with the rosy, you know, rosy glasses. So, a business valuation really helps you understand what truly is my business worth in the marketplace. And you have to be careful what kind of evaluation you get. And there's all kinds of valuations, and there's none of them are right or wrong. You get different types of valuations for different reasons. And what we believe in at Cornerstone is we do more of a, a business and market analysis or kind of an estimate of value. Yeah. But what we look at is you know, more of what's going on in the marketplace, talking with industry experts that we know in, in the space, uh, looking at what other companies have sold for, similar size and scope, not so much from a formulaic standpoint of, hey, you know, a discounted cash flow method of, you know, if you tell me what you think you're gonna do for the next 10 years, and then we'll discount that back to today's value. Most buyers don't buy off of that because show me an entrepreneur who doesn't think they're going to grow right. every single year for the next 10 years and nothing bad is going to happen to right. me. And then that comes back to a higher inflated price for in today's dollars. So we look at it more of what's really going on realistically in today's marketplace. But if you don't have that foundation, you know, you, you can have a great business. But if you think it's, you know, if it's a $20 million company, but you think it's worth 30000000 million, you're doomed for, you know, your failure. And you're going to spend a lot of time and a lot of money with an investment banker and, and really have very have big surprises at the end that you're, you're not happy with or have right. very little chance of success. So it's, it's really the number one step in the process is to. Do I understand what is the value that I have today? And then, you know, what we recommend then at, at Cornerstone is then you also meet with your CPA and say, okay, so I'm going to get $20 million for the company. What can yeah. I net out of this after debt and taxes and fees? Right. And even that number of maybe it's 13 million, that number doesn't mean anything until you go to your financial advisor and say, okay, Mr. Missus Financial Advisor, because again, most of the people we work with are baby boomers looking to retire. Here's, here's all my assets. Here's all my debts. Here's the ideal lifestyle I want to live. Does $13 million fit that number? And we kind of call it, you know, what's your net number that you get out of your business to your lifestyle number of what do you need to live your ideal lifestyle? So, right. if that net number beats or exceeds your lifestyle number, well, then, hey, let's go, you know, let's get right. this thing sold and let's start to enjoy the bucket list and all the things that you want to do in your life, no matter what age, age you're at. But if that value, if you go in at a false pretense or you you know there's a lot of brokers out there or m&a national m&a firms that all kind of oh well, chuck what do you think it's worth sure well i think it's worth 30 okay well guess what it's worth 32 i get to pay me fifty thousand dollars, and <laughs> right. then we'll see what we can do and about, you know there's some firms out there that i think some studies show that they sell like five percent of the companies when cornerstone last year sold 100 percent of their, our companies in the lower middle market and most years we sell about 70 percent of the company so right. it, it really sets you up for either success or failure if you don't have that that understanding of what that realistic value is for a company. Right, right.
0: Well, and how often should a business owner obtain a business valuation?
1: You know, in my opinion, ideally every two to three years, because again, this is typically the largest asset that any owner has. And if you just think about it, you know, as an owner or a business person, you know, you know what your cars and trucks are worth. You know what your lake house is worth. You know what your house is worth within probably five or 10%. But people can be off by 50%, 100% of what their value is. So why wouldn't you, you know, like ours are only $2,000. Why wouldn't you spend two grand every couple of years just to kind of get an idea of what your business would be worth in today's marketplace? Because not only can we do that, but usually when you do a valuation as well, like for with us, it also gives you some ideas or we can give you some ideas of what you could do to enhance that value or make the company more valuable. So again, it's kind of writing the ship every couple of years before you drift off too far, and then it takes a long time to get back if you can get back on track at all to what your goals are. Right,
0: right. In your experience, is the valuation higher or lower than a business owner's expectations? Yeah,
1: we, we talked <laughs> about that in the front side. Uh, typically, you know, the, their valuation expectations are higher. Again, going back to that proud parent syndrome. But every once in a while, you know, we worked with one company that... Uh, he didn't think there was any value. He had a behavior health company with multiple locations, done it for a bunch of years, had 17 therapists, about 25 employees. And he was just going to shut it down and said, yeah, I had a good run. I made a bunch of good money. Time to shut it down and uh, move to Arizona and get out of these crazy winters in Wisconsin. Right. And uh, his financial advisor knew of us. So and he said, hey, you know what? Cornerstone does this estimate of value for just two grand. You know, let's see if they think there's any value there. And we came back and thought it was probably worth about a million, four million, five. And he said, if you can get that, let's go. Because I thought it, I was just going to let let it go to zero, basically. Sure. And we brought in multiple offers and we ended up getting like a million seven or a million eight for the wow. company. So he would have left, you know, over, you know, after fees and things, I had a you know a million four, a million five on the table. Yeah. If it wasn't for his financial advisor, knowing about Cornerstone and, and knowing that, hey, let's let's just see if there's a value there. And if we come back and there's no value, well, then you're out two grand. You know, it's not the worst uh Investment in your life when this is the largest financial transaction you're ever going to make, but it, it, it's one of those things that it, they're either usually high or low. Very, very rarely does anybody <laughs> come in and go, "Yep, yeah, that was about what I was what I was thinking." So it's usually a surprise, one way or the other. But again, we're not afraid to have those those real conversations or those 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 tough conversations because we would rather have you know the surprise up front before you signed up with us or anybody yep. else has spent a bunch of time and money and effort trying to sell your company. Than uh, getting that surprise eleven months later, fifty thousand dollars later, or more at at, you know at a closing table. Right. Well, and and with your twenty years, twenty plus
0: years of experience out there, if that business owner is overvalued, you can say, "Listen, comparable industries, or what I have noticed." Is is that your price is too high, and and you may need to bring that down to be realistic?
1: Yeah, we it it's you know it's not my opinion or Tyler's opinion really. It, it's really what is the market telling us? Right. You know, we've got access to industry experts and lots of past deals that are done. They're all private deals, confidential deals that we've got access to different databases that we can pull that information and say, here, here are other companies like yours. You know, let me show you. We it's not about. Here's a number and, you know, kind of Wizard of Oz, we're, we're behind the curtain and you don't get to see behind the curtain. Right. We're, we're all out like, Hey, let me show you. Let me educate you why it is what it is and what you could do to enhance the value. If you don't like that value or if that net number is less than that, uh, you know, the lifestyle number, like we talked about before, then what does that number need to be? Or what does your company need to look like? You know, from an EBITDA standpoint or revenue standpoint, or maybe it's, you know, some other things that you, you need to do to tweak the company that aren't financial based right. to get to that, that higher. Le- value that you that you want to be at or need to be at to live your lifestyle.
0: Yep. No, understandable. So, I know a thing of contention is always what are the the multiples at. So, what are some of the characteristics that lead towards a higher multiple and higher valuations?
1: Sure. So, some of those are, you know, are financial based where, you know, bigger is sometimes better, you know, right. so if you have a a two million dollar EBITDA company, uh, you know, you're typically gonna get a higher value, all things being considered, than a five hundred thousand dollar EBITDA company. Right. So the bigger the company, typically the higher the valuations, but again, it's industry by industry and, and there's no rules of thumb that are always set in stone. But then there's also management team, you know, things that aren't on your balance sheet or PL. So if you are the whole company and if Chuck leaves, there's nothing left of the company. Yeah, that is a huge red flag. That's a, that's going to either make your company not saleable at all, or definitely drive down the value. Because again, at the end of the day, when you're selling your company, it, it's risk reward. The more risk there is in your company, think of you know no management team, right. your top customers, seventy percent of your sales, and what happens if they leave versus you know the price. So the more risk, the lower the price. The less risk, the higher the price. So you know things that are going to get the higher value you've taken the time and invested in a management team. right? So again, most of the companies that we work with are doing probably five to hundred million in revenue. They have the, you know, even on the smaller side, you might even have just a couple of key employees, but they, they can run the company when you're gone. You know, if you're one of these guys that, and I, we've had them that, yeah, I haven't taken a vacation for five years and it's almost where it, where is a badge of honor? You know, yeah. I, I work 24 seven, you know, that's great for you if, if you know if that gets you going but a buyer's looking at that going i'm not gonna be able to find a ceo that's gonna work 24 7. right you know and i'm gonna have to find two people to replace you so now your hundred thousand dollar salary i'm gonna have to put in two hundred thousand dollars in expense so i'm gonna have to add yeah. another hundred thousand dollars in expense or whatever it might be but if you can take the time to invest in a management team and train them and coach them where well, you can go on vacation for two weeks the business runs you know no problem or ideally you're almost like an absentee owner and a thing is just cruising along, but you just want to take some chips off the table or sell and simplify your life. That's that's ideal. Right. You know, that, that will get a higher value because the people that are still in the company that are a proven commodity are staying with the company with that new buyer. As I mentioned, you know, customer concentration or diversification. Right. If your top customer is 20, 25% or more, that's when buyers start to get a little nervous or, you know, the red flags start going up because if if you have your top customer is 5%, and I lose that customer. Okay. It hurts a little bit, but I can still carry on and I can backfill that probably pretty quickly. Exactly. If your top customer is 60% of your company and I lose you, I'm probably out of business because again, debt doesn't kill companies. Cash flow or lack thereof kill companies. So if all of a sudden yeah. I lose 60% of my revenues and margin, I'm in a world of hurt, especially if I paid you all cash at close and I got a huge debt load now on the book. So right. customer concentration, management team. Getting into the financials, you know, have you done, you know, what we call a QV or quality of earnings report up front? You know, so if if you've got audited financial statements the last three years, again, that lowers the risk because they can, the numbers are the numbers. They're not just compiled. They can be relied on. But at the end of the day, what most buyers will do in the low middle market is uh, what we, they call a QOV or quality of earnings report, which really get in and dissect the numbers. Are the revenues in the right months? Are they re- recorded correctly? Right. Is it per gap and all you know all these different things? And what right. is the working capital you know that's needed? And if you do that up front, we have a lot of our companies that are over ten million in, in value. We typically strongly recommend that. And it's you know it could be a twenty to thirty five thousand dollar investment, but most buyers will say they'll pay an extra half turn. So if it's a $2 million, even a company, like we talked about before, and instead of paying a five multiple, they pay five and a half. Well, a half multiple times two million is a million dollars. So you invested $30,000, but you might get another million dollars out. Or again, your business is more saleable. It moves through a little bit quicker because again, they can trust the numbers and they're still gonna do their own QV, but it just, it's more reliable because they're gonna have time and effort into something. And the last thing a buyer wants to do is spend 100,000, $300,000 doing due diligence only to find all these skeletons in the closets. And then they can't get that money back. That's time and money lost. Now they gotta go find another deal. They would rather know that, yeah, if I get into this deal, the numbers are solid. The research has already been done. Any adjustments that have been made by Cornerstone are backed up through the Right. The working capital is already set out. We know what the working capital requirements are. So that's not gonna be a big negotiation. All those things help, uh, you know, are the financials organized? You know, if, if you bounce accounts around every year, every other year, and you can't tie things out easily, that can hurt, uh, but if they're organized and just flow through that, that again, makes things easier. What are the trends? You know, are, are the trends coming up, you know, are they steady? Are they kind of coming up? And what we call, you know, kind of finishing strong, or are you, you know, if you think of a marathon and you start a marathon, imagine running a marathon with no signs, you know, you have no idea if you're a mile three or five or seven and you just run and you get in that rut. Well, that's what a lot of people do is they start the marathon with a lot of energy and then they kind of get into a rut and kind of lifestyle business and they don't know where that finish line is. Right. And a lot of them don't finish strong. They don't get that coach to say, hey, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to help you understand where the markers are. Here's here's some water. Here's some Gatorade. And they end up crawling across that finish line, you know, with a pulled hamstring or, you know, (laughs) and whatever it is versus, you know, sprinting to that finish line. And that's what buyers are looking for is they want someone that has some energy in the tank, that the company's taking off or or continuing to be strong so they can take it to that next level versus one of the most common reasons that businesses sell is that they're burnt out or one of the biggest mistakes is they hold on too long. Well, when you hold on too long, Businesses usually don't do well when you're burnt out, so they're going to go down in sales and profits or just that energy is not there, or your keep good management team might leave because the owner is just not putting the same effort into it as they were before, and they can kind of sense that. So, you know, all of those things have sprinted to the finish line, good management team, low customer concentration. Is it it scalable or not? You know, can can you get some scalability to your company? What kind of revenue is it? You know, is it recurring revenue, which is the ultimate, you know, kind of a SaaS model, you know, where you people are paying you on a monthly fee or is it one big project at a time? And if you don't get that big project this year, your your numbers, you're going to lose money, you know, and, and right. you don't know where that's going to come from. Those are all, so sales could all be the same, but it's all those little things that happen below the, the sales number that really determine, you know, what kind of multiples you're going to get along with margin. You know, are you at a 5% EBITDA margin or a 15% EBITDA margin? Right. You know, all those things will uh, eventually affect what the, uh, you know, what the opportunity is for that buyer, what they see and you know, what the synergies are and, and what multiples they'll, they'll ultimately pay. I mean, I've seen multiples of or two or three times before for companies that are on EBITDA that are, you know, are, are there's a lot of risk. And with synergies, we've sold companies for 33 times multiples before, wow. you know, again, yep. I would say now that on the infomercial, this is you know the uh, the disclaimer of uh, you know not results not typical. You know where you get the <laughs> right. the big guy that's all got the six pack of abs. Uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but uh, but it is possible. You know if you're prepared right and and, right. and you work with the right, m advisor to make sure that you don't leave any money on on the table. Yeah,
0: well, that's great advice. That that definitely helps our listeners out on what they should be doing with their business. And I guess a, a final question for the episode is. What are you've mentioned already, but what are some other things a business owner can do to help drive up their their overall business value?
1: The the easiest word is just prepare. You know, start to get a relationship with an MA firm, understand what your value is. Start looking at, you know, if you put your buyer hat on, where is the biggest risk in your company? What's your Achilles heel? You know, is it that you have no management team that you as the owner have all the relationships with all the big customers and you're doing all the quoting, or you're you're the inventor and, and doing everything else. Well, then shore that up. You know, again, I would say just look at it from a buyer's point of view realistically, or ask, you know, ask some of your buddies, you know, where do you see the, you know, where do you see the kinks in our armor? And, and then work on those. But again, that's where if you do an estimate of value or business and market analysis, we can show you, you know, after looking at hundreds of not thousands of businesses over the last two decades. And and talking with thousands and thousands of different buyers, we know what buyers are looking for. We can help you, you know, so you don't have to search search it out. We can give it to you and then say, okay, here. And I would say probably don't try to do everything at once. You know, I think that uh, sometimes people come in, they'll bring in a consultant and say, okay, you know, let's do this big plan of how we can be a much better company. And they go, yep, here's the 42 things you could do, Chuck, to be perfect. Right. And an entrepreneur will take a look at that for a day or two, put it on their shelf, and probably never look at it at it again. Yeah. What I would say is pick one, at the most two areas, get really good at those, and then move on to the next ones. But look at again, talk to your money advisor. Where's the biggest bang for the buck? Where I can get that that value? Because some things you could spend a ton of time in, and buyers not might not care about, or only move it, you know, move the needle a bit and other things that can move the needle a whole heck of a lot because you've really taken a lot of risk off the table from what a buyer would perceive it to be.
0: Right. Well, and, and what we see from time to time is is some of these business owners are running, I'll say, personal or discretionary type expenses through their financials. We're not the IRS. We're, we're not auditors at all. But some of those things, uh, uh, looking at that on, on how to change your Your income statement. Taking those out will make you look stronger, won't they?
1: Yeah, you know, we we always say that ideally, you know, three years before you're going to sell the business, you know, just start, you know, letting the money drop to the bottom line. Um, You know, I don't think there's again, I can't think of a business that hasn't had some kind of you know perk or benefit that they try to take as a business owner as as they should. We all we all do, but and again, we can as long as it's on the books, we can adjust for those. We can make those adjustments but the buyer still has to believe in them. So if there's a good paper trail and we can make the adjustment and we make the footnotes, you can get credit for them, but sometimes buyers don't get credit for them. So right. you don't have to worry about it. If it drops to the bottom line and it shows how big your you know, your net income margin is and your EBITDA margins without any adjustments, that's the ideal. We usually were always making adjustments. Sometimes it's two or three. Sometimes it's 13 or 15, you know, the less adjustments, the better, because it's just, it's just more credible and right. the buyer doesn't have to go, man, they're trying to add back the whole kitchen sink and I'm really going to have to dive into these and how many of them are legit because again, their mindset is that they've looked at a lot of companies where sellers that aren't educated, add back stuff that they shouldn't be adding back. So they just, they start to get, oh, yeah. geez, I'm gonna have to go through this process again and I can only you know, work on one or two deals at a time. Is this the one I want to put my time and effort into or should I go to one that's cleaner and has a better chance of closing? Right. You know, so that's that's all of that that goes into that, uh, that play. Perfect, perfect. Well, Scott, uh,
0: thank you for taking the time coming in and visiting with us today. Great advice on what to do with a business valuation and we hope uh, that, that people keep Cornerstone in mind with that cheap alternative to come in for a $2,000 valuation.
1: Well, you know, we're, here as a resource. We're here to help. We do them all over the country and know for all your listeners that everything we do is confidential, whether we right. work together we can have a conversation. It doesn't leave this, these, this office, you know, we can give you our, you know, we'll give you our thoughts. And if, if it's a no, no's an okay answer if we're not the right fit. Sure. And if we're not, we'll try to find someone that can help you because we don't want to let any business owner, you know, just out there to try to figure it out for themselves because they give one chance to do this and do this right. And this is usually their largest financial transaction. And, you know, we're, we want to help them. And, and again, that's, that's what we're here for. Great. Thanks again, Scott. Thank you. Thank you for tuning
0: in to the M&A CornerCast. Hopefully we gave you some insight into the world of mergers and acquisitions. We'll see you back again next Thursday with a brand new episode.